Hello, and welcome to This Week Explained. I am Tiana. And I'm Kervin. And today we'll be covering all of the big geopolitical things that happened in the past week. And there is, like usual, a lot to get to. <laughs> Some huge news happened this week. Tell us about it, Kervin. What's going on? All right. We'll do Russia to Ukraine. But the story that everybody's talking about, obviously, is the fact that Russian jets downed a U.S. drone over the Black Sea. And I get into that whole story. Continue to discuss Putin's plans for Moldova. Uh, they released their, their 2030 plans to incorporate Moldova into Russia. Then we had China, which brokered a deal between Iran and Saudi Arabia. Had a little fun with chat GPT, which predicted a 2028 invasion of Taiwan. North Korea, because they, you know, they called, they told the U.S. not to do any more exercise with South Korea. Well, right. They fired a long range intercontinental ballistic missile that kind of hovered for over an hour near Japan. Then we'll get to Taiwan. Taiwan is warning Honduras of their dealings with China. We'll get to the Speaking of China, we'll get to the AUKUS deal. That's the Australia, UK, and US deal for submarines. And finally, we're going to finish off because there's a very interesting story about the Mexican president who's threatened an information campaign against the United States. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Okay, well, what is the big news coming out of the war in Ukraine? All right, so what's been most interesting, honestly, is that the overall pace of Russian operations in Ukraine appears to have decreased compared to the previous weeks. Remember the last few weeks they've been bombarding Ukraine with missiles. Seems like just just now they, the, Wag, the Wagner Group offensive in Bakhmut, that's the main push right now. And it's reportedly nearing its culmination. So Ukrainians are actually facing the possibility of being surrounded by Russian troops in Bakhmut. So they're going to need to retreat from that area pretty soon. And what is your assessment on the slowdown of operations by both militaries? Well, so Ukraine's been dealing with a massive push by Russian forces. We I just talked about that, including the missile attacks. And those missiles actually went as far west as Lviv in Ukraine, which is very close to the Polish border. So Ukraine's trying to fix the damage from those attacks while also fending off that offensive in Bakhmut. Now, Russia is attempting to reconsolidate their troops to prepare for a follow-on offensive as they begin to move west through Ukraine. So things are going to heat up again probably as we get further into spring. And honestly, it's probably going to prove to be a very pivotal point in the war in Ukraine. Well, if we're going to talk pivotal points in war, we have to talk about this situation with Russian jets taking down a U.S. drone. I know you have a lot to say about this, so let's just start with the basics. What the heck happened there? So, yeah, as we all know this week, a Russian fighter jet hit the propeller of a U.S. MQ-9 Reaper over the Black Sea, and that caused it, well, that made U.S. Air Force officials decide to crash the drone into the Black Sea. And, and this was, the collision actually happened after one of the Russian fighter jets appeared to perform a maneuver that would dump fuel on top of the drone. So that is to drop drop the fuel on the drone and then hope that it, you know, loses connectivity and begins to to fall. 
without right. using a munition. Right. Then you have plausible deniability. Until so, they release the video like they did today. Right. Of and them so actually after, doing the maneuver. <laughs> exactly. And, and we posted that onto the Instagram. That is an official video from U.S. Europe Command, who is in control of U.S. forces in Europe. Right. And that would be who is in control of the drone. So after watching the video, it's apparent to me that the other jet was attempting that same maneuver to dump fuel onto the mm -hmm. drone and it just got too close and it hit the propeller in the rear of the MQ-9. Now, like we always do, we want to give all sides of the story. Russia does continue to insist, even after the video was released, that its warplanes did not hit the drone. They said that the drone maneuvered sharply. I will push back on that. Drones don't maneuver sharply. That's <laughs> why they're called drones. As someone, as someone who works with drones... <laughs> And or has tries, worked with drones yeah, in the past. You tries know to get how they them maneuver. to move sharply. You try. You wish they were. <laughs> they move sharply. <laughs> yes. There's that that great scene in the born alternative. One of the borns. One of the borns where the, the comes <laughs> through the snow and chases. Like no, that's not happening. Right. Um, but the Russians say that after the drone maneuvered sharply, it crashed into the water, and Russia has scrambled to intercept that drone near Crimea. So then the big question is, how close does this get the world to a global conflict between NATO and Russia? I mean, it's it's difficult to determine how close this incident brings the world to global conflict. It has definitely increased tensions between the two sides and could potentially escalate into a larger conflict if not managed properly and diplomatically, I would say. So the, the fact that both sides are currently taking a diplomatic approach suggests that there is going to be an effort to avoid further escalation. So let's, I want you to be honest here. Do you think that this was intentional? I'll start by saying this. There are tons of reports quoting U.S. officials. I'll put quotes for U.S. Mm -hmm. officials who are saying that the Kremlin not only knew this would happen, they authorized it. Those reports have very little contact between the, the headlines and the actual reporting. I'm going to say right. this from the information that I know. Did Russia authorize these jets to intercept the MQ-9? Yes. There's no doubt that was their mission. They were actually scrambled in order to do this. Did the Kremlin tell the pilots to dump fuel on the MQ-9 in a manner that would either take the aircraft down or make the remote pilot reroute the MQ-9 back to its home base? Probably. I, I put that as a probable. Okay. Did the Kremlin authorize its aircraft to come in contact with the drone in a manner that could harm the pilot? of their aircraft while also taking down the drone, everything that I have seen in all of the information that I have, that was not the case. This was just a pilot getting too close and doing a maneuver they were not comfortable with, and it struck the drone. So the fuel dump was on purpose, but actually yes. knocking into the drone was not on purpose. Not on purpose. It's a dangerous maneuver. It is something that could have destroyed the uh, the Russian jet and made the yeah. pilot eject and, and possibly they would have lost a pilot. Okay, so why do you say this? So I'll explain why I don't think that was intentional. That it's because there's a tactically there there are tactically more efficient ways to get a drone out of airspace. I do want to be clear that the MQ nine was in international airspace. It was not in Russian airspace. So why was Russia so worried about it? 
because of its proximity to Crimea. Okay. Russia's worried about the intelligence that the MQ-9 can gather to help Ukraine during their planned offensive this spring to take back Crimea. So I will say this was definitely a show of force in order to prevent the continuation of this intelligence gathering mission by the United States. Wow. Well, it is comforting to see that a diplomatic approach is being undertaken. Hopefully that will continue and a conflict is avoided. Yes. Let's move on to Moldova for another update on what is happening in that country. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Yeah, so more is coming out about the leaked strategy document regarding plans to pull Moldova into Russia's spear- sphere of influence. Sphere. The spear. <laughs> it could be the spear. The sphere of influence. A little tongue-tied today. That's okay. Well, that document actually revealed Russia's intent to counter Western efforts to actually stabilize the government of Moldova. Moldova. Oof. You need more caffeine. <laughs> yeah, I guess I'm recording a little bit early today. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so... Those plans from Russia also seek to negate the influence that NATO has and to stop EU countries from weakening Russia's position in a bunch of the former Soviet republics, those various former Soviet countries. Right. So this is very significant because the region, the Moldovan region, its proximity to Ukraine raises concerns that it could be a potential staging post for all of Putin's regional ambitions. Then what you're saying is the logical follow-on, if Putin is successful, would be those countries bordering Moldova. Yeah, exactly. That's why I think Putin doesn't have to be successful in the whole of Ukraine for Moldova to matter. So he doesn't have to take over all of Ukraine. Because success in Moldova would offer a place to stage troops on the southwest portion of Ukraine, as well as that eastern portion of Romania. He's had his greedy little eyes on Moldova for a really long time, though. Yep. Well, I'm sure there's going to be more updates as Russia gets closer to carrying out its Moldova strategy. So let's talk deals and how China happened to broker a deal between Iran and Saudi Arabia. First, explain what the deal entails, and then we can get into its significance. Sure. So the recent deal brokered by China was to reestablish diplomatic relations between Saudi Arabia and Iran after seven years of hostility between those two countries. The announcement of the deal actually represents a significant diplomatic and political win for China. So China's been signaling that it wants to promote a non-US-centered vision of the Middle East. Okay, so there is one significance of the deal. China taking on a much larger role in the Middle East. What are the other implications? So this deal is a major loss for the US in the long term. You know, it comes only after a few, only a few years after the Abraham Accords, which normalized relations between Israel and multiple Islamic countries. China's influence could further isolate Israel, which will cause a major conflict in that region. Israel is worried about Iran attacking them with a possible nuclear weapon, right? Yes. And this isn't something, this is not like fear mongering by the Israeli government. 
Iran has stated on multiple occasions that it wants to wipe Israel off the face of the map. Will the U.S. step up and try to play a bigger role in the region, even though it has kind of pulled back a bit after Iraq and Afghanistan? Well, you know, despite moving resources from the region, the United States says it's not stepping back from its role in the Middle East. This week, President Biden called for an easing of tensions between Israel and its Arab neighbors. Now, all this remains to be seen because from all the available information, it does appear that Israel and their Arab neighbors are on a collision course for conflict. Well, that's not very good news, is it? No. Well, well, we'll keep an eye out for that information. But what is this about chat GPT predicting the invasion of Taiwan? You're yeah, not going to have is... a job soon because chat GPT is going to take your job. We'll I'm see. laughing because it's scary. So I'm, I will, I'm going to give credit to Cole from Alcon S2. And I, I had a conversation with him he said, you know, definitely talk about this on the podcast because he actually created the chat prompt to ask OpenAI's chat GPT to predict China's invasion of Taiwan. And what did the AI chat have to say? Well, Cole said after quite a few prompts, he was able to get the bot to assess China's invasion in 2028. And so this kind of aligns somewhat with what we've been talking about and what we're seeing out in open source. And I do think it's important to note that what, you know, what Cole did and, and what I've been playing around with after I saw that is based, this is just how all intelligence analysts make predictive analysis. Right. Take in all the available data, solve for all the scenarios, and then you predict the most likely outcome. But the human element always comes into play. We're all human beings. We can't change our minds and all that stuff. Yes. <laughs> I, I'm going to say that the, you know, these chatbots are going to change the analytical game. I know there is some pushback and, and even I have concerns and, and I'm talking within the intelligence community and within academia as well. You're seeing some universities trying to ban it. Right. Uh, I will say people are going to need to start getting smart on how to create good prompts to get the best information from these bots. And as I stated earlier, do you think that these bots could possibly take jobs away from analysts? You know, it could take some jobs away, but I, you know, that's, that's going to be, it's just going to happen. Everything takes jobs away when we have new right. technology, right. but I, I do think it is going to improve the analyst ability to provide that near real time right. insight based on the analysis of information. So I'll, I'll go in a, you know, real world scenario here. So while I was at Bragg, we were trying to incorporate some forms of AI and machine learning. And like myself, some of the analysts were pretty worried that that's going to take our job. And that was 10 years ago. Oh, so wow. it, was, it was still fairly new. But what we found was that the AI models would allow for the analyst to focus on the mission instead of the data. So that kind of shortened the timeline from receiving a request for information and then the ability to disseminate the answer for that request. Well, that's good to know. I mean, I think it is important to highlight that AI chatbots should not replace the role of human analysts completely. Yeah. Obviously, you can work together and come up with a a good product and everything. Instead, they should be used as like tools, you know, to augment and enhance their abilities to provide timely and accurate insights. I agree. Whatever you guys are looking into at that point in time, I don't know. Yeah. Let's... 
Let's discuss North Korea, which continues to fire missiles towards South Korea and Japan. What the heck happened this week? Yes, North Korea fired an intercontinental ballistic missile, or ICBM for short, that it actually purports, so North Korea purports that the missile could reach the United States. And this all happened just hours before the leaders of South Korea and Japan were due to meet for their own landmark talks. Still (laughs) tongue-tied. Yeah. It's It's okay. I'm I'm stumbling over my words while I always stumble (laughs) over my words. Okay. Well, what, what is your assessment of the situation on the Korean Peninsula? North Korea has told the U.S. and South Korea that any more exercises in wargaming would be seen as a provocation and met with swift and decisive actions. Is that what we are seeing here after the U.S. and South Korea basically told North Korea to kick rocks? Clear capabilities, which would give them leverage in negotiations with other countries. Will we continue to see these types of missile launches? Yeah, I mean, until an actual tangible anti-Pyongyang strategy is implemented and the Kim regime falls, the continent's going to itch, inch its way towards conflict. The one thing to note with these launches is that any mishap that would launch an ICBM into, let's say, South Korea or Japan, that's going to be dealt with militarily. So I would say North Korea should be very careful right now. All right, well, let's stick to the Indo-Pacific region while also discussing Latin America. Let's get two birds, one stone. Yeah. Taiwan. This week cautioned Honduras on its close ties to China. What are the potential geopolitical implications of Taiwan warning Honduras about dealing with China And how might this impact the relationship between Taiwan and its diplomatic allies? Well, if Honduras decides to switch allegiance from Taiwan to China, it's going to leave Taiwan with only 13 diplomatic allies. That may also encourage other nations to follow suit. This is going to further isolate Taiwan and strengthen China's position in the region. Now, China's been actively seeking to undermine Taiwan's international standing and has been very successful in convincing several countries to switch their recognition from Taiwan to China in recent years, including holding the U.S. accountable for their one China policy. Right. Now, the situation is also going to strain the relationship between Taiwan and those remaining diplomatic allies. Those allies may feel pressured to choose between maintaining their relationship with Taiwan or seeking closer ties with China. Okay, well, with that... We need to discuss the release of the full details of the AUKUS deal and how might it impact the geopolitical landscape of the Indo-Pacific region. Yeah, well, let's do a quick rundown of what is involved in the deal now that it has officially been agreed to. So the plan involves the U.S., the U.K., and Australia creating a new fleet of nuclear-powered submarines with the aim of countering China's influence in the region. Now, these submarines are going to be able to operate further and faster than Australia's existing diesel engine fleet, and Australia is going to be able to carry out long-range strikes against enemies for the first time. Then what are the geopolitical implications of this deal being finalized? Well, first, early on, Australia's decision to scrap their multi-million dollar diesel-powered submarine agreement with France in favor of this agreement, has caused a a political rift with Paris. So there are some butting of heads between (laughs) those two countries. Right. It's also likely to complicate Australia's delicate diplomatic situation with China, which is its largest trading partner. So while the deal aims to strengthen Australia's military ties with the U.S., it's kind of going to be very difficult to balance this with fostering commercial ties with Beijing. That's just 
th- that's just not going to happen. But it looks like Australia seems to have made its decision on who they want to align with in a future global war. Well, moving from the AUKUS deal, let's talk Mexico-U.S. relations. How might Mexico's threat of an information campaign against the U.S. affect the already tense relationship between the two countries? And what kind of information might Mexico seek to promote or highlight? Well, Mexico's threat of an information campaign against the U.S. is quite honestly going to further strain already tense relationship between the two countries. The U.S., is going to view the move as an attempt by Mexico to interfere in U.S. politics and influence U.S. elections. That's going to lead to a diplomatic rift between the two countries. Also, this kind of campaign could also stoke anti-Mexican sentiment among certain segments of the U.S. population, and that's going to further inflame already existing anti-immigrant sentiments that we're seeing in the U.S. Right. Now, As for the kind of information that Mexico might seek to promote or highlight in their campaign, they could probably emphasize their own efforts to combat drug cartels and reduce the flow of drugs into the U.S. I could see that as falling fairly flat because they're honestly not doing anything. (laughs) Yeah. But Mexico could also seek to portray U.S. policies towards Mexico as unfair and disrespectful, particularly in light of recent calls by Republican U.S. lawmakers to take military action against Mexican drug cartels. So how important is the relationship between Mexico and the U.S.? And arguably, it's more important than the relationship between the U.S. and Canada. It might be one of the most important relationships the U.S. has. Mexico is the United States' third largest trading partner. But if even if we take away the economic aspect of the relationship, the two countries share a 2,000-mile-long border that makes security and immigration issues a top priority for both countries. So that means Mexico's importance to the United States goes beyond just economic ties. It extends to cultural, social, and political connections. I'll say a fraying of diplomatic relations, honestly, it calls for concern, and that goes for both countries and I'll include Canada in that as well. It's it's going to be a, a, a very bad timeline for North America. So do you have anything else you would like to discuss this week? No, I mean, after that, we are out of time for this week. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We hope that you found it informative and engaging. If you have any feedback or suggestions for future episodes, please let us know. And if you would like in depth coverage of these stories and more, follow us on Instagram at oquinanalytics.com. And if you have a moment, Stop by wherever you listen to your podcast and give us a five-star review because those can help us be noticed by thousands of podcast listeners globally. And you guys are still coming in clutch with those (laughs) reviews. We appreciate you. Every time I go on there, there's more. And I'm like, what is happening? Thank you, everybody, for the the comments, all of the reviews. Yeah, all of them. Honestly, Tiana, thank you so much. And until next week, stay safe out there.